Dear Lord, we're grateful to be in your word, and we're grateful to be with each other. In your son's name, amen. We are in 2 Timothy chapter 1, and Second Timothy is that end-of-life epistle, one of the pastorals, personal letter from Paul to Timothy. Paul's about to die. He's at the end of the road. It's about mid-60s A.D. He's had a long ministry. But frankly, from what you can tell in Second Timothy, things are not going well in the ministry measurement department. Um, People are leaving Paul. Now, most of the Christian church today, for good or ill, or whether they understand him or not, it tends to be a Pauline expression of the faith that instead of a Petrine or a Johannine, um, we're very, very Pauline. Because most of the New Testament books, you know, are about Paul's ministry or uh, uh, his teaching. But he went through a time, and you can't imagine it, when Christianity wasn't a going thing for thousands of years. It had not, it had just been invented. There were seven people, maybe more than seven. A few people throughout the whole Mediterranean known world that were, and you could possibly say to yourself, I belong to a cult. That kind of very narrow sect of what, you know, coming out of Judaism and then becoming a post-pagan thing for the Gentiles coming in. A new, a new theory of metaphysics, a new theory of the God, a new approach to righteousness through the gospel that they preached. And to whatever degree success was had, even that success, just like today, can get wobbly. Paul, verse 1, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. That second half of the first verse, according to the promise of the life which is in Christ Jesus. So often when you see Paul going through a rejection or a Christian in a, in a prison camp someplace, uh, someone, t you know, taking it in the shorts for being a believer, you can, you, you, your, your heart goes out to them, you know, that this is a kind of an emotional suffering, you know, a kind of, golly, things aren't working out. But in this section, first chapter of 2 Timothy, there seems to be a different dipstick that Paul uses than what we would use. Um, we measure success monetarily. We measure success in numbers, um, spread of effect, how effective, how highly placed are, you know, you can almost can see the, you don't remember this, most of you are too young, that when Bob Dylan became a Christian, the Christians almost wet themselves 
because nothing could be more important than a famous person becoming a Christian. You want to know that Alice Cooper is a Christian. We like having famous people. Some people want that. Some people want just raw numbers, a big ministry, a movement. But Christ, you know, Paul doesn't seem to be instructing that to Timothy. And that's what he goes into here in this first chapter. I thank God, whom I serve with a clear conscience, as did my fathers, when I remember you constantly in my prayers, as I remember your tears, I long night and day to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you. As I bolded the things that sort of stuck out. I remember, I remember, I am reminded. And it's not a generic letter to a church. It's a letter to a guy that had served with Paul since the second missionary journey. Came on to, you know, Paul had been through the area of Asia Minor that Timothy was from earlier on the first missionary journey, and somehow the gospel had reached um, Lois and Eunice. Um, and Timothy was raised in the Lord by them. And when Paul came through on the second journey, uh, picked him up to take him with. And since that point, now we're dealing with, um, you know, Timothy a bit older, maybe close to 30, uh, if maybe 30 in his 30s, uh, if he was a teen when he was picked up. We're talking about the 60s. Paul dies in the 60s. Paul is writing from prison in this, in this epistle. And he remembers Timothy constantly as a source of joy in his relationship with Timothy, and he would like to get back together again. And the things that he's reminded of is the joy and the faith that he believes is fixed in Timothy. Just like in his mom, just like in his grandma. He said, I'm sure dwells in you. There is a, uh, an encouragement, if we really consider, that Christianity might not be what we're about with Christianity, because we're evangelicals, and so evangelicals are about, you know, preaching the gospel. And the gospel is the means and path to salvation. So, yeah, we want to preach the gospel. But we can get sidetracked as if that is what we're actually about. Winning souls. I've even seen books, Soul Winning Made Easy. You don't want a copy of it. Okay, it's pretty bad. Um. We tend to think that it's our job to be about growing the church. And the job is, is not that. That's what we do because we, we love our fellow man and we have the gospel that would save. We 
But what's happening in you is the thing that Christianity is about. What's happening, you know, for those that are saved, the measure of the success of God in your world is the success he has had in you. And too few Christians think about the success God has had in them. They're willing to jump over that little task, that little obligation to actually be godly, be sanctified, be holy, for its sake and for your God's sake. And they're all about selling people, convincing people to join up so we can beat the Muslims or the Mormons. Paul is reminded of the joy he has in Timothy. He's reminded of his sincere faith. And then he says in verse 6, hence, I remind you, is I remember, I remember, I am reminded, and now I'm going to remind you, and because of those remembrances, I'm going to remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and love and self-control. Now, I want to, sorting 2 Timothy out without looking at 1 Timothy would be a mistake. And one of the key themes in 1 Timothy is out of chapter 1, where he says to Timothy, um, where the aim, uh, it's 1 Timothy 1, or for nor to occupy ourselves themselves with myths and endless genealogies, would promote speculations rather than divine training that is in faith. Whereas the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Now he repeats those three uh, in First uh, Timothy repeatedly. He's coming back to the same person and reminding him of his clear conscience, his sincere faith, We have, we have the task, the primary task is not that you prove at the end of your life that your ministry knocked it out of the park, that you scored the most. Paul has been rejected by other Christians, not just the pagans, not just the Jews. That's assumed, but rejected by the other Christians. Demas, in love with this present world, has left me. That's later in the book. Later in the chapter, all in Asia have deserted me. He had given three years of his life in Asia to preach and build their faith up. What Paul is stressing, and, I, and for the sake of you say, but I'm an evangelical. Well, this comes first. Your God and you comes first because you are in no place to do anything other than bring discredit to the gospel. You've seen that. What does it say in Titus? Titus, where's Titus? Next book, right? Uh, talks about women teaching. Um, Bid the older women likewise to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to drink. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, 
to be sensible, chaste, domestic, kind, submissive to their husbands, that the word of God may not be discredited. We have no business being evangelicals until we're holy. We have no business until the thing that we're giving the world is because I can't believe what it's done for me. If Jesus Christ is not the miracle to you, shut up. You're just going to ruin it. You're just going to make people go, oh yeah, I want to be just like you. Look how it's turned out for you. Well, okay, I know, but Jesus always forgives. Well, tell me about it after it fixes, not after it forgives. We have to be conscious of the, he has not given us a spirit of timidity. He has given us a spirit of power, love, and self-control. And boy, that's, that's that, you know, that fruit of the spirit right at the end of the list that nobody cares about? He uses the first one. Fruit of the spirit is love, self-control. So he's got the bracketed moment here. He's got love and self-control, power. How you are to other people. You are turned towards other people in love. And you are controlled. You are governed by your relationship to Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit. Do you remember that situation in Acts? I think it's Acts 20. 24, a different sort of approach on this thing is he, he was talking to Felix and uh, he wanted to hear him speak on Jesus Christ. And as he argued about justice and self-control and future judgment, Felix was alarmed and said, go away for the present. When I have opportunity, I will summon you. The miracle that happens in you the miracle that happens in you is what nobody seems to be able to do. What we can do because of the grace of God, cleaning our need for forgiveness, get us forgiven, <laughs> enabling us to be loving, which turns us toward other people rather than to ourselves, because all of your sins are because you're turned towards yourselves, and gives you actual self-control. You are that yourself is no longer in control of you. The Spirit of God is in control of you. This is the Spirit of power. This would keep you from being timid. This, it, Paul is in prison, able to speak with confidence. Remember that situation before Felix and Festus and Agrippa and all those people. And here's a guy in chains, and, and they're saying, oh, you're going to convince us to be a Christian, they say to the guy in chains. That's the kind of power in your evangelism that can only be had if the miracle of your faith isn't waiting for your conversion of others. It is because you have been converted. If we're not, we're not gonna, your faith is not going to be built by converting enough people. Your faith is not going to be solid because more of these empty pews are filled with more people. The miracle has either happened in you or it hasn't. You have either believed, you have either had a sincere faith, which Paul could say, and I am sure dwells in you. When he thinks of you, you're a joy for him to look forward to seeing again, confident of your faith, and encouraging you to live a life that is consistent with the victory that is Christ and the victory that is the change in your life. Do not be ashamed, then, of testifying to our Lord. 
nor of me his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel of the power of God who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not in virtue of our works, but in virtue of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus ages ago, and now has manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Now, what I want you, there's all sorts of wonderful things in there that, that all sorts of theological angles could unpack in different ways. So it's not, this is not narrowly about this, but I'm, I'm, since I'm on this point, I want you to realize that our Savior Christ Jesus did abolish death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. It happened a long time ago. Christ victorious. The miracles happened. It's been done. He was killed. He was buried. He was raised. We do not have to add anything. We do not have to add anything. We're always in the business of adding something to, you know, when you, you know you can't join this church and, and it seems evident that nobody has joined this church. But the reason is we can't add anything to the relationship we have in Jesus Christ. If you are a believer in Christ and you come to this church, you're a member already with the people who are in this church. Can't do anything else. But we like to add things. We like to have more tasks to do. We feel we have to inspire people to get on with it. Each of you, because you came to a knowledge, a saving knowledge of the gospel, bowed the knee, repented before God, and he forgave you and your life changed. This gospel, this God who did this thing, you ever read his, uh, C.S. Lewis's Obstinacy of Belief? It's a great essay. I've mentioned it before, I know, where he says that our, our, our trusting God is not because the argument and the proofs are so clear that we can't deny that we could easily doubt some things. But we have met this God. We know this person. Have you met this God, this Christ, this Savior? You know, Timothy wasn't in Palestine. Timothy didn't meet Jesus. Just like you, came to a belief in Christ. And this is the victory that you don't need to add anything to. You can walk out of a town having preached the gospel for 12 weeks in a revival with no one saved, and you walk out in victory because we don't measure the numbers. Jesus Christ tells you, it's narrow is the way that leads to life, and those that find it are few. Prepare yourself. Because the miracle that should give you the great confidence, the lack of spirit of timidity, the lack of being ashamed when your mentor is in jail and is going to be put to death shortly, don't be ashamed of that because that's not how we measure whether or not we stand with confidence. We stand with confidence because of what has happened in you and what had happened in Christ. This God is this Savior and this effect in you. If you're having to go find confidence by finding the engine of Christian excitement that would make you, that, that makes you 
you know, this is why we don't go to Vandal games. Now, because they don't win Vandal games. We, we, we are, we're always wanting to have some kind of excitement about our belonging. And I'm a, uh, what have I called? I'm a, an alum of U of I. My wife's an alum of U of I. Don't even have a sticker in the back of our car. And some of you are a little bit more loyal than I am. But when they try to get you to be loyal, more loyal, I would suppose if my having graduated from the U of I had done something for me, I suppose I might be a little bit more, a little more swagger in my step. It's not Harvard, folks. It's not uh, a number of other things. It's not New St. Andrews. Okay? I have a history degree from the University of Idaho. Well, they could get me going on all sorts of things. We don't want to be that way about the church because what really is the centerpiece of Paul and Timothy is their belong to Jesus Christ, this God, this Savior, Christ Jesus. For this gospel, I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and teacher. And therefore, I suffer as I do. It's almost like that is actually counterintuitive to what we think is success. Now, he's not saying you were not successful unless you suffer. But that's, that's probably more natural than applause in the city streets, than throwing a big parade. Just therefore I suffer as I do, because I have been appointed to preach this thing. But I'm not ashamed. That's the, that's the phrase. I had that as the memorable verse, do not be ashamed then of testifying to our Lord. Paul was not ashamed. He's asked Timothy not to be ashamed. You do not, do not have a spirit of timidity. And the reason you don't have a spirit of timidity, even though you're in jail and they're going to kill you. And there's no promise. It's not like, and Paul knew that centuries later, all the Christians around the world would rise up and blah, blah, blah. No, he was going to die. Even the Christ, knowing he was going to die, was going, is there any other way? Is there any other way I could do this? All of the things that life offers you to call it successful, the praise of men, what does it say in the scriptures? Beware when all men speak well of you. It's a good thing for people to speak well of you. Honor is a good thing. It requires that of bishops, that they be well spoken of by outsiders. But beware when all men speak well of you. And if you're shooting for all men, if you're shooting for winning the world for Jesus before you will feel Jesus is an adequate God, go back and look at your life and say, man, if he'd only done a bigger miracle in me, I wouldn't have to wait for the whole world to be saved before I'd really worship him. No, we worship him because he wonderfully, wonderfully changed you. Because of love a spirit of power, love, self-control. Where we put our sense of success, get the success first. Know where you stand. Know that you have it. Jesus Christ has won. He has taken control of the universe. He will come someday to judge the living and the dead by everything they have done, whether it be good or evil. Nothing is going to change this. 
Jesus Christ isn't at risk. There could be not another person converted to Jesus Christ before the end of the world. And Jesus Christ still won. Jesus Christ still is the victor, still is the conqueror of all things. And your life in him, and your life in him, is, is something that can be confidently enjoyed. I suffer as I do. I'm not ashamed, for I know whom... Remember this from a song, right? I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I'm sure that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. What's the King James? I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. It's a song you sing occasionally. Do we ever sing it here? Okay. Well, that's where it came from. Jesus Christ is known by Paul. I know who I have believed. My lack of shame, my sense of power, what I'm doing is because of what that has done for me. Can I add up my God and my response to my God and say, that's the victory. I don't need a single one of my friends to believe in Jesus Christ. I'd like them to. But the victory is Christ died, I was saved. And I know that whatever God has entrusted to me, in that passage, something that's good to see, this is why I bold things in the text. Uh, with that, it has been entrusted to me. Look at verse 13. Follow the pattern of the sound words which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Guard the truth that has been entrusted to you by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. He speaks in the same way to Timothy being entrusted. So if you're wondering, what was it that, that God is able to hold Paul to? Well, he uses the same words, guarding the truth that has been entrusted to you. This is the wonderful thing of our God and Savior. It's, our, it's, it's not just whatever you want to believe. No, it's this. God that you believe is able to guard you in this truth that's been given to you. Paul preached this to Timothy, to Timothy's grandmother and mother. It has had this effect. We are holding fast to Jesus Christ. It is not just who you are, it's who you have believed. The victory is what Christ is and what Christ did. And you are the emblem of that and as broad as it needs to be. And he, he, he says, I know who I believed in. I know that what he's entrusted to me, he's able to keep. I know the same thing is true for Timothy. He was entrusted with the truth, the same truth taught, the same truth of faith and love, right? You have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. And the same Holy Spirit. Notice how I, I put it in red. The truth has been entrusted to you by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. When you look at the Word of God, you stop and you say, 
my spirit, the spirit in me, that which dwells within me, recognizes in St. Paul and St. Peter and St. James and St. Luke and all these other guys who are writing the same spirit. The truth that was entrusted. Because we share that, we share the faith and love, we share the teaching, we share the experience with the Holy Spirit. It, we are bound together in a group that is blessed by the joy of meeting one another, but that's not our victory. That's collateral. That's secondary benefits that, boy, it's great to meet an American in France. Okay? Because the rest of people are French. It's, it's great to meet someone from Idaho in any other place. Hey, you're from Idaho? We might know the same people. There's only five of us. Look to the things in your own life. Look to your Christ. Do you, what has he done? What is that gospel? What is that work? Accomplished. It's not waiting for others to believe it. It was done. Two, the belief in it, did it happen in you? You've heard me say that constantly, the three things you should believe. One is the gospel. Did you believe it with effect? Do you desire to please God? And do you know where truth comes from? If you don't believe those three things, God help you. But the gospel, believed by you, it has its own victory in history. You are its own victory in you. You are the thing that's going to have no timidity, just power, able to stand with that certain insolence that comes from someone knowing the really right thing. Because you've experienced it. You've met the God. That same spirit is in us as well. The success of Christianity is your Christ and your life. And I have the next verses here, verse 15, because I, I wanted to let you know the negative quality of the circumstance that Paul's in right now. He's writing to Timothy. Timothy's probably in Ephesus from some of the other people mentioned at the end of the letter, um, uh, which is in Asia. So this concern about you are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, obviously not Timothy and probably not Priscilla and Aquila and not some other people that were faithful to Paul, but and among them, Phagellus and Hermogenes, may the Lord grant mercy on the household of Onesphorus, for he often refreshed me. He was not ashamed of my chains, but when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me eagerly and found me. May the Lord grant to him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you well know all the service he rendered at Ephesus. Oh, that's a real personal thing, but it lets you know where things are. With all the other measurements that we would use to guide whether or not we had a successful ministry. All in Asia, whatever that means, whatever some total, maybe it's that's emotional way of framing it, when he's writing to somebody in Asia. Okay, I did mean you, Timothy, but I'm just, I'm feeling this. All in Asia. Nobody, nobody wants my tape, uh, my podcasts. 
Okay, that's what, what St. Paul's out there, you know, the, I got a prison cell background, it's kind of, it's kind of, you know, really hot right now. And you got this thing going, and just when you write something up or you produce something, you put it out on the interwebs, and you just, you know, you're expecting those numbers to start ticking up in the, the checks or whatever. What do people do? They thumbs up, I don't know. I never approved of anything on the internet. Um, what if it doesn't happen? Just dead crickets, you know, just, you spend all this time writing all these people. Come on, Timothy, don't let me down here. All in Asia. But even then, he has a real heart for Nestorus. He said, I, just like I remembered with you, Timothy, how you were and how your faith was and what a joy it was to think. I remember the, the things about Anesphorus, how much, although he's been led astray by whatever the false teaching was here. He wants the Lord to be, have mercy on the guy because he knows that the things of Christ had happened in the man. You're going to know that with other believers that you go, I'm a little worried about you. Because we, we do get caught up in bad theology sometimes. We get deceived. What we really want to look at is do we see the power of God to save that man? The power of your God that you know because of a belief of acquaintance. You know the Christ and you know what miracle he worked in you. It has been done. It saved you. And you probably know that true. And I've had friends like this that I watched walk away and some, it was like, yeah, could have called that one. Because you never saw the kind of belief, the kind of walk. With an Esphorus, Paul's going, man, the Lord have mercy on him. I trust and hope that he will. And I have friends that are away from the truth, apostatized to whatever. Some I know are in the Lord and some I don't. You are that one of those people. You are either in the Lord or not. You're either a victory in the miracle of Jesus Christ. And we're able to live without shame. You know, as a pastor, um, nice little country church out in the hinterlands of America, small congregation, sour grapes you're always talking about. Well, this is what it's really the ministry is really like. No, it's it always affects you, right? Why can't all of those seats be full, including the balcony? There's two people up in the balcony right now. Four in the balcony. We're always feeling the temptation to measure the miracle of God differently than He measures it. Give yourself a moment to think about: Is my sense of victory in the work of Christ? and the proof of it with a work in me. Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're grateful. Be good to us. Help our lives be such a miracle in your Son. So powerful, not timid, loving and self-controlled in such a way that people want to know what we think, that people want to know what we preach because we're a credit to your son's message. 
and your son's deed. In your son's name we pray. Amen.